Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon. It's Mike Vandervoort. It's uh, 1 o'clock Eastern Time on Monday, May 14th, and we're doing an episode of Drive Through Today where we're going to talk about um, the Me Too movement and the potential development of some backlash over over the issue or over the movement and maybe talk about a little bit about how the narrative could be handled. And our guest to help us do that today is is Carla Jo Holmes of Joe2PR. She lives in Tampa. Carla, welcome to Drive Through HR. How are you today? Thanks, Michael. I'm doing really good. It's raining here, but I'm doing pretty good. Uh, the rain in Florida in the spring, nothing like it. Uh, I called you Carla. It's actually Carla Joe. Uh, Carla Joe, tell yep. tell listeners uh, your a little bit about your background and your company, if you would. Yeah, not a problem. Um, my background is in crisis management. Um, so you know, straight out of the gate, out of school, I was uh, thrown into. Very fortunately, I think so. I really liked it. Um, helping corporations who are going through crisis, trying to recover their reputation, actually recover their reputation. So I worked with uh, some of the best legal minds and PR minds uh, in the country, private investigators, large boards of directors, really being able to handle the court of public opinion so companies could remain in business. So I learned a lot about the underbelly of uh, the reputation side of the world and, you know, just how far some corporations will go to uh, retain market share. And so then about 10 years ago, um, I started a PR firm and we are considered, we actually work with very disruptive uh, industries. Um, industries that are have a lot of technology or new systems or new processes that are creating new value networks and new products that are changing the status quo. These uh, companies are going against you know, large behemoths, um, industries that have been a certain way for a long time, and they're coming up with products and services that are really helping the economy or consumers but you know, anytime that you're doing a lot of change, there can be a lot of backlash and there can be a lot of um, struggle as far as reputation because, you know, a lot of vested interests don't want things to be changed. So we help companies actually proactively um, make sure their reputation is sound so they can compete for larger market share. Nice. And I, I had your Twitter handle, uh, I guess your company, which is at J-O-T-O-P-R. Um, and we'll, we'll, at the end, we'll, we'll, we'll ask you to tell us where people can find you otherwise. But if, if you're listening and you want to check out the, the company, the, the, the Twitter or handle is an easy way to get started. Um, I noticed Carla Joe. I, I was doing some. I was, I was doing some looking around on the internet today, and I I didn't get. I couldn't get to the article because it was buried on a website. But I noticed that you, um, 
were recently featured. I think it was in a human capital, maybe Australia. You'd written an article about HR and and PR needing to work together, but I didn't get the I didn't get to read the article. So uh, do you, do you know the do you know this piece I'm talking about? I wonder if you could just talk briefly yeah, about that before actually, we jump into the new few things. Yeah, it, um, I'm glad you saw the Australia piece. I saw the one in the U.S. I know that it went to several countries. Um, that was talking about more about the Need to movement and how human resources and public relations can work together because we really do, um, you know, have a crisis that we're trying to mitigate in the workplace. Um, and, you know, bringing this up to the 21st century in terms of, you know, now that we have people really aware of it, what is HR going to proactively do to get a handle on this um, and ensure that people are still being heard, that there's no false reports, and the education and the rehabilitation part of it um, is really important, um, and that's what that article is all about. Okay, cool. Um, so I, I'm an HR practitioner, um, and I've been – it's really been – I don't want to say the Me Too, Me Too movement is, is surprising. <laughs> I've been, I've been yeah. surprised at how badly some – and I know it's a lot of the examples, like you take Charlie Rose or Matt Lauer or others like that. I know they're in kind of like different different industries than, say, a Publix down where you live in Florida or something like that where I used to work. Um, it's a much more power-based. It's much more, you know, it, I don't know, it, the relationships are different. But it just seems like HR has not done well in many of these stories that we've heard about um, about the Me Too movement. So I guess, you know, I, I, talking to you in a, from a crisis management perspective, I, 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 we had a few questions, and I guess I just want to kind of run through. But somewhat with that spirit yeah. in mind, like what can HR do to work with PR? And, you know, how do you deal with these kind of issues as they develop? So I think one of the first things, and I, I know a lot of our audience will be aware of this, but um, what events in your mind precipitated the launch of the Me Too movement? Like, how did it get going, and why did it take off as fast as it did? Well, a lot of people don't realize this, but, you know, people think that Alyssa Milano started this viral awareness campaign um, around the, uh, you know, sexual misconduct of, you know, Harvey Weinstein, right? Um, right? But it actually was started in 2006. I don't know if you know that. But it was started I by a woman named Toronto. <laughs> you do? Good. You get points. <laughs> she, for, for your listeners, she was a survivor of sexual assault, and she wanted to do something to help women and girls of color who had also survived sexual violence. And I believe she's coming out with a documentary this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's called Me Too. So I'm, I'm really interested to see that. Um, but then – you know, Alyssa Milano uh, tweeted it, and that really inspired women to start to speak up. And, you know, I just, I think things were, you know, the timing is really critical, but I always say this um, about when you have a lot of protests, when protests start to become a big thing, protest is it's a form of PR, and it's a natural progression when a group has like a large group or small group, but they have not been listened to when Mm -hmm. there's been so many injustices of not being listened to well, sort of the natural human reaction is to protest. 
Um, and so this was a really good example of a protest in the digital age. And it really, uh, the purpose of protest PR is to make people aware. And the reason why I think it took off as much as it did is because um, the longstanding history of a group not being listened to about this particular subject. So it told me that, you know, sometimes you can look at things and, and see like, okay, how much validity is there to this? What rings true about this? But that told me that there is a ton of credibility um, behind this Me Too campaign. And the viralness really was women speaking up saying, I'm tired of this. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what interested me about uh, when you reached out and we t- and we had exchanged email with with you know your some of your staff and myself. What interested me was that you talked about a backlash, and um, I mean it's it's to me this has lasted, you know, in our sort of sixty second soundbite society. And you know what did President Trump tweet this last five minutes ago or whatever? This 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 has really become almost more of a movement than a campaign. Uh, it, it's yeah. it's you know it's kind of spread a lot. But you mentioned that, that there's been a bit of a backlash, and that, that was interesting to me, I guess. So can you kind of talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, I started noticing it in January. Um, you know, the Miami Herald reported that female staffers and lobbyists have found that male legislators were no longer meeting with them in, perfe- in person. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then in March – you know, it's only been a few months, but then March, the Harvard Business Review reported that many men in finance have begun, have begun like, avoiding hiring or managing women, right? And mm-hmm. there have, and there have, in these reports, there are concerns of false reports. And this is sort of the backlash, is that even though studies indicate false reports are rare, I mean, they, that they account for you know, up to 7% of the actual cases, false reports are so egregious that that 7% can taint and color the whole movement, which I think was, you know, going in a positive direction. And so when I say the backlashes, you know, I don't think the originators of this movement and even the women that spoke up in this movement is, you know, their intention is not to have this sort of, um, clash with men and women, uh, what women are saying, and even the women, the men that's insulted, but that men and women have to work together. And there's a mm-hmm. point, you know, you know, like PR follows natural communication laws. And after you gain awareness, you have to update the strategy to then start showing, like having a campaign, right? And this is great where HR can uh, come in of companies and groups of men and women working together to improve things, right? To improve um, social economic situations, to, you know, improve education, to improve the social ills, um, because there are instances of that and not to let up per se on, you know, keeping this awareness going, but instead of being known for the Me Too movement that, you know, now is getting backlash, um, keep moving it in a positive direction and show what can be done because, you know, what you put attention on is what you're going to get. So 
So we got it. We got awareness. That's a well done. Now let's start looking at what, you know, we, we've been, you know, focusing on diversity and diversity changing the outcome of uh, companies, right. And their profitability mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. forth and competition. Um, well, we need to start doing that um, with this movement. I don't think it's any different. And that's why I think we're starting to get some backlash. Okay. Um, I know that, that makes sense. Um, yeah, it, it, it does. Um, I'm, I'm trying to process a question here for a second. Um, yeah. No, I, I mean, um, so week, I think it was that, you know, there, there was a, I, I forget who the agency or the, the firm or whatever that handled it, but, you know, they released some, um, they released some corroboration about Matt Lauer. That's that, you know, some of the stuff, you know, not to pick on Matt Lauer, just, just recent news, right. There's also, I mean, yeah. so there, you know, there's some pretty, pretty, pretty strong examples that the company, you know, the company knew and somebody knew and, you know, it, it got shifted sideways. So, you know, that whether that was, it, I guess the thing is like, this is one of those things where it's like, who holds the power and, how do you know where where do you start? I guess is you know I like I know from an HR perspective what I would say, but I'm thinking from a from a PR perspective, like how do you start talking to your clients about? I guess that's what I'm where I'm trying to go with this question. Like if if someone came to you and said, you know, I have a we had, we had an executive and it's bad and you know, know like how do you start talking to your clients and what kind of stuff do you recommend for them? That that was really I guess what I was trying to get get my brain wrapped around. Yeah, you know, that's a great question, Um, especially in companies where they're very, uh, you know, you have a lot of um, attention on you, whether you're in the public, like you're in the press a lot, companies do have this concern. You know, when diversity issues uh, were coming up, companies were started to be proactive, and even the companies that didn't have problems, you know, how are we going to really, um, you know, tackle this issue? Um, I advise uh, the senior executive structure and the board of directors to empower HR more. Um, What I have found um, just in many corporations that we work with, um, sometimes human resources isn't empowered enough um, to the level of sort of a C-suite empowerment to Mm -hmm. um, really uh, like – strategize and execute a program that is going to very safely um, protect the company, um, educate the staff, uh, rehabilitate the ones that are like, you know, offenders or would be offenders, right? If they haven't been terminated Mm yet and and have the power to do that because, um, you know, these kinds of issues are, you know, when you're dealing with human emotion and reaction and you're dealing with human people, that's your, that's your collateral. It's one of your biggest assets. It is the biggest asset of a company. And, um, you know, those policies get filtered down from the top. And if HR isn't empowered to, you know, execute those policies and recommend policies and work with the PR department to really make sure that, you know, all the different policies of the company are communicated in such a way to all the different types of employees to gain agreement, HR becomes a silo if that's not really done correctly, right? Mm-hmm. And you really can't have right. HR be a silo <laughs> um, because it is managing your biggest asset. 
So that's the first thing I have them do is figure out how to empower HR. And, you know, some corporations um, might skimp even on the hiring process in HR. I hate to say this, but, um, you know, either not give them the, um, you know, executive decision-making or, mm-hmm. you know, hire the right type of people in HR that actually have judgment and the ability to make executive decisions. Um, so I tell them to, you know, relook and revamp that particular department because that, or that division, because it should be elevated in the organization. It's just that important. Hmm. Um, thanks. Um, the other thing, sort of in the going back to backlash a little bit, but but again from a kind of from a client and a PR perspective or what you know what I imagine it to be anyway you know in some cases like these these headlines have been I mean I don't want to say there's rush to judgment but it's almost like you know as soon as you hear somebody's accused of something there's there's a resulting kind of action because companies are so uh, I I think you know sensitive right now to the to their reputation and the potential damage and you know getting in the news cycle. Um, I, I noticed in some of the questions that we had talked about, you talked you talk with the backlash. You said that maybe someone in, and, and, and I guess men as well have kind of referred to this as a witch hunt. I mean, what, you know, how does that fall out in terms of, like, how do you deal with it fairly on both sides but not let yourself get crucified in the media in the meantime? Yeah, you know, that's something that I don't think HR can, you know, set it and forget it. I mean, that is sort of a dynamic um, issue that has to constantly be looked at and created upon. And I'll give you a little more information on that, you know, this whole rush to judgment. You have to realize it's like when something is published, um, there is a decision that is made in the court of public opinion way before someone is proven innocent or guilty. Right, And right. The court of public opinion today rules. That's why I say it's a PR world. You know, PR is all about affecting the feelings of others, and feelings denote action. Feelings create action or inaction. And, you know, companies and HR, the reason why they should work together with PR and monitor the news, especially if they're in the news a lot, um, is because of that court of public opinion, Right. Um, and being able to be proactive or, you know, handle this right away. But, you know, the, the news has a particular formula um, for their stories. Um, and, you know, the opposing forces um, and the harm and the controversy, you know, those things get exploited first before any solution is ever talked about in a media story. Um, it's just right. the formula of how it works, Right. Unfortunately, right. that, that really affects people, um, and it stimulates them, sometimes not so positively, into action. Um, and so in today's market, in today's business, you have to really account for that um, when you're executing your programs because you could have a really sound HR program but something could come up and that court of public opinion goes into motion, um, it, you know, irrespective of what you're doing. And that mm-hmm. could really, um, you know, affect the plans that you have. 
so that's why I talk about having a proactive campaign for companies and organizations that are really actually doing something about it, where men and women are really working together to solve economic and social issues um, to show what can be done. Because, you know, that information really does, um, it affects people in a positive way too. And people are way more forgiving um, when certain things come up uh, for companies or groups that have like a positive PR foundation. It's when you really have nothing and you have that vacuum and the only thing that filled that vacuum was that bad news. Um, you're just fighting an uphill battle from there on out. No, I think that's a really important point. I know, I know, you know, I've worked for a, a number of companies that had, you know, invested, a, and I'm not talking about from a, uh, from just from a, a, a sexual harassment perspective. I'm talking about their overall strategy for being, part, you know, participative and investing in the community, being good corporate citizens and, you know, trying to do the right thing. And, and I've, no company is perfect. No individual is perfect. But if you're, like if you said, if you're, especially if you're public facing, um, you know, if you're doing good things and, and it's, people know about it, then if something bad like this or any other type of crisis situation comes up, the goodwill you've built in the past and the reputation that you've built can go a long way to really help you. Um, yeah. I, 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 I think the, uh, I, I guess, so here, here's the question. So like on, on the HR side, like, uh, the, you know, as this issue has, or the movement has developed, I mean, I've heard, I, I had a conference in Tampa a few weeks ago and, we, and there we talked about with companies that are t- starting to do things like um, bystander training, instead of just doing straight up sexual harassment once every two years, you know, they're teaching employees what to do if you see something going wrong, you know, say something. If you see something, say something. Um, they're talking about, you know, improving their investigation. I mean, technical HR stuff, I don't want to get buried in that because that's not really what the show yeah. is about. But they, they, they have good practices, but they're trying to make them better. Um, I guess from a strategic point of view on the PR side, like, like you, you know, like you said, being proactive, you know, there's social media, there's all this, there's all this kind of immediacy. Like what, what kind of tips do you give your clients, not just from an HR perspective, but just in general about dealing with this type of stuff? Well, um, you know, I like what you're saying that, that uh, some companies are doing. Um, I, I are getting them to look again because, you know, for a long time sexual harassment training was, you know, you put it in your employee handbook um, and you have training once a year or something like that. It was sort of set it and right. forget it. Um, but these um, proactive modules, you know, as part of it to have it be ongoing, I mean, it's not just sexual harassment. I mean, it's bullying, and um, there's a believe it or not, there's a lot of that in the workplace too among adults. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, having this be an ongoing um, system, but having it be more proactive and positive than just the whole um, sexual harassment paradigm as before. It's almost like getting everyone to be responsible and take ownership for the company and doing something about it. I love this part is if you see something, it's not happening to you, but you see something, report it. Um, But there should be clear-cut guidelines of how to lodge a complaint, clear-cut guidelines as to how it's going to be investigated. I think that should be extremely transparent. Um, And, you know, positive, um, you know, commendations without it being, 
you know, when I say without it drawing too much attention as being weird, but positive commendations of groups of men and women um, working together. Because, you know, if you put attention on uh, whatever you put attention on, you're going to get. So the more you put attention on the sexual harassment part, the more people are going to be um, hypersensitive to this. And sometimes you could have somebody just taking something the wrong way, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And so, but when I say that hypersensitivity, you want awareness, you don't want hypersensitivity. Awareness, but you also want to put people's attention on what is the solution, what is the outcome, what should be working, you know, what should we be working together? And I really think finding out some way and I don't have the answer to this yet, but some way to measure its success, right? Communication between departments, which is increasing productivity. I mean, I can't imagine productivity really, I mean, productivity has to suffer when you have something like this going on, right? Sure. So, sure. These are you know, extremely disruptive it, to the workplace. Yes, they are. And I think um, HR should work with their PR departments or their PR firms more to publish success stories of things that they've done. If they have developed a process that actually, you know, is the new paradigm of how to handle this particular issue, they should have a a case study published and interviews done and, you know, podcasts, um, be guests on podcasts and so forth so they, you know, they can impart what they've done that's successful um, to other companies, to other C-suites, to other HRs. Um, Because, like, again, HR really needs to be an elevated division in the organization, not just a police network. Yeah, I I, I agree. And and I I think, you know, I think working in the field, I think the practitioners that I know are – keenly aware of that and working hard at doing it right. It's just, it's just, and it's not just sexual harassment, right? It's racial, it's LGBTQ, it's, you mentioned bullying. I mean, there's a ton of other things. Um, we only have, believe it or not, we only have about four minutes left. Um, oh my God, by really I did fast. not realize that. <laughs> I, I, I know. I, I, so, so really quickly, are there um, just a couple, couple quick questions. One that you, you asked that, uh, or mentioned that there's evidence that suggests women are losing career ground based on men's fears. Is that, I mean, is that basically those anecdotal stories you shared before, or is there something else? You know, is this, I mean, is this divide going to make things worse? Well, I, uh, there's anecdotal stories, and there's like, you know, like I said, the Miami Herald, and there was another one that came out. Uh, yeah, I haven't yeah. seen a lot of statistics on this yet. But I have seen studies where um, there was a new poll of about 6,200 adults, right? Um, mm-hmm. And there, in men and women were, um, you know, re- really the, there wasn't a gender divide, but they do believe false reports are a problem. Um, right. And, and 45% of them, um, you know, or I think it was 31%, but, you know, felt that false claims were something that was a major problem, right? So um, I don't think it's really come out yet. Like we haven't had enough, like again, it's it's a small percentage and I haven't seen enough evidence of it, but there are concerns of it. And that's where I Mm -hmm. think HR really needs to take the bull by the horn and really educate people on false claims as well as making claims when it's happening, right? Right. Um, And there should be a series of, um, 
whatever you call ethics or justice actions on those that make small claims because it can really ruin someone's life, right? And it does taint the whole movement and anybody else that have actually had that happen to them. And that really can't happen. Right. So it, it really is a, it, it comes back a lot to the C-suite and leaders being brave and driving the corporate culture in a direction. We didn't get a chance to talk about the gender wage gap or any of that kind of stuff that's also out there. And I, I'm not going to try to go down that rabbit hole. We literally have two minutes left. Um, talk real quickly, if you can, about how companies might use social media and proactive public relations to aid in these efforts, if you have any kind of best practices or tips you might want to share. Yeah, I mean, I think that <clears throat> social media is great to use on the Me Too movement, um, the Me Too hashtag. Um, the Me Too hashtag, like I said, the narrative could, while making awareness, could also be improved to show the success stories of what is happening. Um, publishing those success stories on, on the company blog, um, getting publications to write about it, um, showing, you know, different um, case studies and so forth, and then putting that out on social media with links um, to these particular stories or, um, you know, the company blog to show the human face of the company and hashtag the Me Too um, hashtag. I mean, that can be very powerful. It's super simple, um, but it, it will, I think it will go viral too because it's showing what can be done, and that's really what we want. We want women and women, okay. men and women to work together for long-term solutions. Agreed. We have 45 seconds. Uh, close out by telling people besides the Twitter account where they can find your information on your company and you. Great. So information is at jotopr.com, J-O-T-O-P-R.com, and then on Twitter at jotopr. Awesome. I, hey, Carla Joe, thanks. It was really fun to talk to you. This went by super fast. I could probably talk for another half an hour and still not be done. But I'll do another the one. Joe's going to run out. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for being yeah, on drive through. I, it. It, and, and I hope it. Stops, I hope it stops raining in Tampa. I'll send you the link here in just a minute. Okay. Okay, great. Thanks, Michael. Bye. Bye. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18+. plus.